Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champion, Rowan. And now, here's your host, Rob Haspani. What a massive, really, really cool episode of Squared Circle Pit I have for you today. It is Rob at Rob Injection. Thank you for listening to Squared Circle Pit, where we look at the intersection of pro wrestling and heavy metal. I've had quite a few shows about the topic, and if this is your first time tuning in, I highly advise you go back and check out some of our archives. I have some huge guests in the past, certainly worth checking out. You know, we talk to metalheads about wrestling, and we talk to wrestlers about metal, like we're going to be doing today. Some past guests include Chris Jericho, Mick Foley, Raven, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, CM Punk, Nita Strauss, Bubba Ray Dudley, Eric Bischoff, former WWE writers, announcers, composers, lots of cool dudes. You can check out all the archives at metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit. And today I'm really excited to be talking to WWE superstar Rowan. If you've been watching SmackDown the last few weeks, you know Rowan is a metalhead as he started to inject a little bit of his own personality into his character by wearing a different metal shirt every time he comes out. We've even chronicled there's a guy out there who uh, keeps a spreadsheet of every Rowan shirt and where you can buy it. Very cool stuff. We talked to Rowan about his metal love, what he listens to on the road. We talked to him about being in the latest Amon Amarth videos and a bunch more stuff. So we're about to play that. And then after the interview with Rowan, stick around as I give some thoughts about this week in pro wrestling. But let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Rowan. Now entering the squared circle pit. I'm so excited to have WWE superstar Rowan on the line. How's it going, man? Going good, Rob. Uh, I, I imagine it's been a crazy travel week for you. You've been in the Middle East now back in the States. And uh, I assume you had a lot of time to listen to some heavy metal. Is, uh, is there stuff in rotation right now for you? Um, I, I always seem to have the same things in rotation. That, and I always try to listen to some other new stuff. Uh, what are your go-tos? Um, um, obviously, I'm a big Amon Amarth fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corporate Clanny, Enciferum, uh, Solstifer, Children of Bottom. It just everything kind of goes in a constant circle. I listen to the um, the Rainbow album, um, the Dio, mm-hmm. Blackmore's uh, project. That's a great album. I can listen to that over and over again. Awesome, and you, and I noticed like. Uh... In the last few weeks, I'm sure a lot of people have noticed that you've started to incorporate your love of metal uh, into your on-screen character by wearing metal shirts, and uh, it's it's awesome. And like metalheads are so pumped about it. There's even now like databases and spreadsheets to chronicle <laughs> like what shirt you wore on what show. Uh, are you surprised with the the positive feedback you've received for for doing that? And and how did you? start just decide to like i'm just gonna wear my metal shirt collection um well and i didn't know where where stuff was going on tv for me 
I, I didn't know that they took away like uh, my my mask and I did a whole gimmick with Luke Harper and the Wyatt family um, mm-hmm. and Bludgeon Brothers. So then when I'm with Daniel, it was something a little new. So I wanted to just incorporate a little bit of myself since like I have a love of horror movies. So when I came out, I ended up wearing a Tom Savini shirt, but it was uh, kind of a Misfits inspired shirt. Right. So then, so then just from, from there, I decided to start wearing different uh, metal shirts I had around the house. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised people picked up on it, but I'm really not because the crossover between metal fans and wrestling, you know, is pretty high. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the the reason I started this podcast was to talk about the crossover between the two genres. And and I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and I'm curious, like, what what were you drawn to first growing up? Was it heavy metal or was it pro wrestling? Um, it, it was it was it was probably metal. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, how you got into it? Uh, so it's it's it's. It started because uh, I was in in uh, like junior high. I listened to a lot of like uh, the, the West Coast Tupac and rap and Michael Jackson. And then uh, I remember Tupac had died, and my dad had bought me a Soundgarden album, and that kind of opened my world to a whole new genre of music. And just off of Soundgarden and listening to all their albums, I kind of just spread out and branched out and just had a really good appreciation for good old heavy metal. That's awesome. And I noticed you, you have like a, a special love for like uh, folk metal, Viking metal, power metal type stuff. Uh, how did you get from like Soundgarden to the more underground stuff? Cause you kind of have to seek that out. Like, I mean, I'm on a Marth, they're, they're pretty big now, but most of these bands, like Corpaclani, they're, they're they're more underground. So how did how did you come to these bands? Um, so it all started with uh, the birth of the Pandora, uh, Pandora, and uh, oh, okay. suggestions. And uh, I remember I would listen. Uh, I think I don't know. This might have been. I was a big Amon Amarth fan. Like I just started listening to them like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. and one. You got some uh, some loud noises back over there. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in New York, so <laughs> but I'll just move oh, okay. my mic. Go ahead. So I, I was a big Amal Marth fan, uh, and I was working at a, a a strip club, a gentleman's club, and um, we had gotten robbed, and uh, some ended up um, one of my coworkers ended up getting shot right in front of me, and no. uh, I remember that that day. Um, like I had blood on my hands cause we had driven him to the hospital and like, I was supposed to meet my parents like up, you know, like I, I live in Minnesota. So like I was going to drive up North a couple hours, which is what you do. You go to the cabin and, uh, I was going to go meet them at a cabin, but cell phone service was shoddy and I couldn't get a hold of them. And I was basically up all day and I put in a cassette tape and it was uh, the fate of the Norns album. Classic. <laughs> and uh, there, there's a song that struck me, and it's always struck me. It was the fate of Norns about, and the ly- lyrics um, were about a father having to bury his child. And uh, the you know the the fate of the Norns, so be it. And uh, 
that that song rang true me that that day because I you know I thought I was gonna die that day too, so uh, th- that song always has special meaning to me. And uh, just fast forward to uh, opening myself up to that kind of music because I always have a special feeling to that kind of music and all the other folk music I kind of you know. I did seek it out, and uh, but a lot of that was through suggestions of people, and uh, right, just like these bands yeah. tour with each other. I got, I got you, and and also, but, uh, but, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm just saying, like, if if a certain genre, like, like you know, brings you memories and things that holds you know true, or elicits some sort of response in you, it, it's it's something you're gonna you know. Um, it's going to calm you down. It's going to make you happy. It's, you know what I mean? Right. You feel a connection to these bands. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, I read on your, on your wiki that your family is of Norwegian descent. So I'm, I'm sure that also kind of uh, plays into it. If, if that's true. Is that true? <laughs> uh, um, your... um, yeah. My, my, my great grandfather came here uh, um, with see. nothing worked on the railroad <laughs> and he brought my grandfather with him. So, Oh, that's cool. And and so you also have like what looks like I assume Norse Norse tattoos. Uh, is that um, was that? Yeah, every tattoo, I have, mm-hmm. every tattoo I have is uh, based off um, some sort of uh, Nordic uh, um, tradition or um, mythological story. Uh, my first tattoo I got was uh, the Belk Knot uh, with uh, Odin's two wolves and two ravens, uh, and I got that when I in 2015 when I got when I got my first um, injury on the road with WWE, and ever since then it's just been uh, just like music. It's just kind of like another outlet for me to you know like escape this world. Oh, that's cool! I didn't realize that uh, you got those tattoos so recently. Uh, so I'm guessing yeah. that, like, you kind of, like, if I if I could assume a little bit, like, you know, you're getting into this music, a lot of these bands do Nordic mythology, and did that kind of help you get into that stuff and, like, look into all of these things that you wanted the tattoos for? Um, well, I've always been, been into my heritage, and mm-hmm. uh, not many people really know, but I did a reality show in Norway, because that's, um, it was called Alt for Norge. Um, so I was in the first season of that. It filmed in Norway. It was kind of like the amazing race here in the U.S., but without mm-hmm. all the backstabbing. So I lived out <laughs> in Norway for three three months and uh, got to see uh, more of the country than people that live there, which, which is pretty cool. And uh, so I've always like had a close connection to my heritage. And uh, there was a tattoo artist I followed um, on Instagram that I really enjoyed her work because she took a lot of uh, old stories and, and, and made them into things, which gave me a lot of cool ideas um, to give to my artists. And luckily, um, this last year, this last December, I was able to go to Bergen to actually get a tattoo from her on my chest. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. And yeah, you've been doing a lot of cool things this year. You appeared, you popped up in these Amon Marth videos. Uh, how did you get asked to be in that? So I don't know if, if it was uh, like I'd worn a, a shirt of theirs on TV 
Um, I don't know if somebody had saw that and they're like, oh, yeah. But I had met them um, years, maybe like, uh, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017. We were doing a tour from Panama to Costa Rica. Well, when we landed in Costa Rica, we had a show that night. But as we're, we're landing, we happened to cross paths with the band. And so I took the opportunity to say hi. I was supposed to meet them um, in Las Vegas um, when they opened for a Megadeth, mm-hmm. but uh, they put me they, they put me in the Megadeth room af- after the show. So we, we me and my buddy we just left because we, we weren't uh, really interested in meeting them at the time. And my buddy's wife was waiting for him. So uh, it just happened to be we met them there, and we ended up going to the show their show after my show. So, uh, so I, I met them there. I saw them a couple times after that, and uh, I wore their shirt on TV. And next thing I know, the management gets hold of me like a week later. That's cool. Yeah, I notice a lot of bands are, are so happy for the exposure. Uh, like I saw Nurgle from Behemoth post about it, and, and these bands are pumped. I think a big part of it is because you know metal doesn't really get too much recognition in the mainstream, and. WWE is as mainstream as it gets, so it's cool to see uh, you bringing this to that world and maybe exposing some fans to new artists they may not have known about. Uh, I mean, that's 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 cool. I'm constantly learning about uh, new artists myself every day. So uh, I have I have I have workers that I work with that constantly give me new bands to listen to, and they comment on my shirts as well. <laughs> That's, I was going to ask you, like, are there any other uh, wrestlers that, that you kind of talk about music with and share bands and, and listen to stuff with? Um, there's a couple staff people in catering and that run the audio that I talk to about it. Uh, Alistair Black's a big, uh, he's a big black metal guy, death, death metal. Mm-hmm. So he's, oh, he, I, I open his eyes up to the, the genres I like and he kind of, throw some songs to me my way and I like some of the stuff and I don't like some of the stuff he likes but you know to each our own um I know uh Baron Corbin likes some some metal stuff mm-hmm. uh, obviously Triple H is a big big metal fan so right he hasn't told me this, he hasn't told me to stop wearing the shirts so <laughs> so this was just something you just decided to do and just did it and, and nobody told you no with the with the metal shirts yeah. Do you have bands now like DMing you like, "Hey man, I'll send you like 10 shirts or whatever." Just uh have you have you noticed that kind of feedback from like bands kind of asking you to wear their shirt or it hasn't gotten that crazy yet? I Well, I mean, I I mean I I, I get I get some that say, I'll, you know, have our shirt or listen listen to our bands, but as as busy as I am and as much stuff as I'm already listening to, it's 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 hard to keep up. I hear you. Uh, and I noticed that like, uh, you've gotten your, your, your kids into, into metal too. I saw that you were on your Instagram page. I believe you were backstage with disturbed and I'm guessing that's more for your kid. Uh, uh, how is that like getting them into something that you enjoy? Um, it was cool. Actually, my son, his first concert was a weird Al concert, uh, which was funny because, that I went from Weird Al to Judas Priest, but he but he loved them both. I mean, that's a good, that's great parenting right there. A good one-two punch <laughs> for the children. 
because I think uh, come on, UHF is one of the greatest movies in the world. I think I think I genuinely think Weird Al is so underrated as a as just a comedy force. Like he's brought so much joy to the world. He doesn't get enough praise, and I love UHF. Totally timeless. Whenever it's on like TV, and if I'm just flipping, I'll I'll just stop and, and watch the rest of it because it's so fun. And uh, I wanted to, do, I was curious, like, you know, Daniel Bryan, I know he likes, you know, he used to come out to the Scorpions and stuff. Do you ever talk music with him or is it just business? Uh, it's it's mostly just business. Uh, he's, uh, he's a big family guy right now. Like, he's, uh, he's obviously on a, a little bit more of a limited schedule than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can tell he didn't go to Saudi Arabia this year um, for whatever reasons. But, uh mm-hmm. So, so like, we're not on the road all the time together, but uh, yeah, we we haven't really got a big chance to talk about music. He talks to me more about the um, the environment and conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, have Have you become more environmentally conscious since uh, teaming with Daniel? Do you do you not use plastic as much? I <laughs> I, I I use plastic, but I do throw it in the recycling bins now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that's an important step. <laughs> um, and One also, step you, yeah, exactly. And, and really, uh, actually, if, if, if we're being actually, serious. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, sorry, go ahead. You talked, about the, the, you talked about the Disturbed show. Yeah. Uh, went here. And so we had went to that, and I wasn't expecting to be able to go backstage, um, but somebody had got us um, um, through my buddy. Uh, he's a... Uh, Josh uh, V. He's uh, uh, he's dating uh, Nita Strauss. Oh yeah. I don't know if you know who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so 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 he just got a hold of me randomly. Like, oh, I want to go beat him. I was like, oh yeah, cool. And uh, so we're walking. Everyone's leaving, and I see all of the plastic and garbage just thrown on the ground. Like, I get everyone's having a good time, but pick up your stuff and throw it in the trash it made me kind of sad oh yeah it's, it's such a bummer after shows it's like a graveyard of plastic i totally know what you mean like i, I never really yeah. yeah you never really stick around that long to actually see that and it's like yeah that's that's kind of sad and then i feel like it, they just throw it in the garbage yeah they don't they just everyone just wants to go home you know <laughs> no no one has time to sort I, through the, the I, couldn't, I, I couldn't i couldn't i couldn't imagine the trash that would be left over like at a, a wacken or one of those huge outdoor european festivals yeah i had the same kind of thought process like i was at a, a mayhem festival before it ended and at, at, at the end of some of the shows they would have a band throw a, a after party and so this was like way after the show ended and i remember going back to the parking lot and you're kind of going through the whole venue and it was the same thing it's like it looked like a hurricane had just happened and like all the plastic was just on the floor. And this happens, you know, every day at every venue. It's, it's pretty wild. Wow. Uh, uh, but so I, looking at your Instagram page, you know, you, you've met a lot of these uh, metal musicians and, and some of them I know are huge wrestling fans like Corey Taylor and, and Glenn Danzig. And I want to ask about Danzig in particular, because I know he's like super into wrestling. And was it kind of like a thing where you're kind of being like, whoa, you're Danzig. And he's being like, whoa, you're Rowan, <laughs> you know, like, is he asking you wrestling shop talk? And were you trying to get like music shop talk with him? 
Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's 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 weird sometimes. And I need to try to. I mean, it's like it's like a. I feel like uh, us as wrestlers, uh, you know, we have a lot of commonalities with people on the on the road, and musicians in particular are on the road a lot. So it's like it's 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 weird to find somebody that kind of has the same travel schedule as you. And kind of kind of understands what it's like to be away from your family, what a, what a, away from home, to live on the road, how to manage that, how not to be tired all the time, how to get up and do a show. But uh, yeah, but it is definitely uh, kind of surreal to be like, oh, it's you, and then oh, it's you, oh, oh, well, we're just people in the end, and I just happen to appreciate what you do. Do you have to sometimes remind yourself, like, oh yeah, I'm a WWE superstar. I'm not just like a metalhead here at this show. Like, Danzig recognizes me from TV. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just a added perk. But but yeah, I I love going to shows. I can like uh, I from everything from metal to I went to a Terry Reid show a few weeks ago. Pretty cool to oh, see wow. him. You just like you just like the live event environment. Uh, but I, like, I like I, I like good music. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's. I, I would assume that the music you like, you would think is good music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and also, uh, you mentioned your love of horror. What are some of your all-time favorite horror movies? Ooh. So, I was a big fan of uh, like growing up. Like, Children of the Corn always stuck out to me. But my my uncle was kind of kind of sick, and he uh, made me watch it when I was little, and then tied me up in this cornfield. So uh, that 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 movie kind of always stuck out with me. That is a class. Yeah, that yeah, I, like, it it still scares me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacres on, on, until until recently. I I loved them. Part two was probably my favorite. The the one with Dennis Hopper and. Uh, uh, Bill Mosley uh, as Chop Top. It's a classic. And uh, there, there's another one I just recently uh, watched that I cannot get enough of. Uh, it's called The Stuff. Are you familiar? No, no I, I haven't heard of that one. So it's like, uh, I think it was early 80s. And I think the director had just passed on. I think his last name was Cohen or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in the movie, there, there's like this weird white substance that lands, and it's kind of alien. It's got organisms in it. Um, think invasion of the body snatchers, kind of. Mm-hmm. But uh, this guy just eats the substance off the ground. It tastes so good. Next thing you know, they fast forward to a scene where it's available in every store. So it's, it's it's basically like the substance that turns people like into mindless zombies. Think think cell phones in these days and age. Oh, interesting. And how it how, how it warps your mind. It's 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 very campy, and mm. the death scenes are very very hokey and funny. But I recommend the stuff. Anybody that uh, wants to watch a good old fashioned eighties horror movie. Yeah, I've never. That sounds. I mean, it sounds awesome and cheesy in all the right ways. Sometimes you need a little cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you've kind of incorporated the the horror stuff into your your wrestling character because I, I mean you you just you look like a like you should have been a wrestler like when, when did it hit you like I'm gonna try to do this 
and, and like I, I think I have the look. You obviously have the height. When did it hit you that like this is going to be something you wanted to try to do? So it was my freshman year of college football. I was playing for a D two school in Minnesota, and just doing the college thing. And uh, happens to be that me and my buddy uh, would just watch like WWE pay per views every month. We'd you know have like little parties and watch them and. I was getting into it, and then uh, later that year, or the, my sophomore year of college, uh, we ended up actually going to a couple wrestling shows, like just local independent wrestling shows in Minnesota. And uh, I remember watching some guys working. I was like, you know, I I think I could do that. That'd be that'd be fun. And uh, I ended up getting some contact information. Uh, I got a weird respiratory virus in football that year, so uh, everything took a hit from my grades to, to everything. So I kind of took a step back after that uh, semester year got over and uh, contacted that wrestling trainer. Got a full-time job at the at a gentleman's club and uh, tried to do some community college while training to be a wrestler. This is like in 2002, 2003. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and ever since then, I just stuck to it, stuck to it. And then 2011, I got signed to WWE. And 2014, I was on the road. Yeah, that's awesome. And you also uh, took a trip to Japan to, to be in the pro wrestling oh, yeah. dojo. Uh, did you catch any metal shows in Japan? Like, what's the metal scene like there? So, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch nothing uh, when mm -hmm. I was there. Uh so I was uh, the only uh, American there for three months that lived at the dojo. So I did a couple of tours. I lived at the dojo. And I didn't speak a lick of Japanese. I didn't know anybody. The guys that were there would once in a while would go out, but it would be kind of what they want to do. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really get a, a whole lot of chance to explore that scene. I, I wish I would have. There's... Because uh, I guess Japanese love their metal. They do. They do. They're big on, uh, on the metal and especially the metal imports. Uh, like I always wanted to go there and just go to that giant tower records that's still open there and just explore. It seems like a fun time. Um, but it is. But it is pretty cool. It is pretty. It is pretty cool now on the road. Like uh, we uh, we were in. Uh, Helsinki, Finland for a show for this last European tour. And luckily my match was on the first half of the card uh, because like maybe about 10 miles from where we were wrestling, there was a show that night. It was uh, the band Winter Sun. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, they were playing their first, their first album from front to back. Oh, wow. Kind of like a 15th anniversary thing. And since it was in Helsinki and it's where they're from, I had to go. Yeah, so absolutely. I asked, some, I, asked some, I asked some of the boys if they wanted to go. No one wanted to go, so I just ended up going alone. Wow. Yeah, that that's quite a to see Winter Sun in their in their home. That's that's you can't pass that up. I, I would have went with you if I was backstage. I'd have been like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> Uh, but, it's, but it's like stuff like that, like that I normally just wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to do. And it was, it's pretty cool to be able to just, just make the, the most of your days, you know? 
Yeah, like take advantage of the moment since you're there already, you're traveling. Uh, have like a once in a lifetime experience that uh, that you wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. I, I'm with you. I mean, I'd probably be too exhausted, <laughs> but I, I give you credit for doing it. It woke me up, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, and speaking of travel, you know, I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'5", not quite as tall as you. But like I, like air, me and airplanes, we it depends on the airline. Like we have... We have some trouble. What do you have any tips for fellow tall people the travel how to how to deal with the leg room and, and just the world not being built for people over six one or whatever? Be prepared to be uncomfortable. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> no, I, I have a I have a like um, not only am I tall, I got I got the wide hips. So uh, there's there's certain seats on planes that I do not fit in. Like, uh, I call them the hip hugger seats. They're the, the fixed seats, uh, that the sides don't go up. Yes. I know what you mean. And I am a size I, 40 waist. So it's like, it's a problem for me as well. <laughs> there's an app called seat, seat guru. And, uh, you can type in the, the plane, you know, that you're going to be on and it will give you a heads up if, um, on what seats are the best for leg room and reclining. This is a huge tip. I live by that. <laughs> this is a, yeah, that's good. Yeah, like for me, it's like I just pray to get an aisle seat just to get that extra, you know, inch of leg room while, while I mean, nobody's it, walking past. It, that, that's give or take because when you do have the aisle, uh, don't expect to get any sleep because uh, those carts like to hit you. Yes, yes. I've, yeah, that is, that is the side effect, but I'm more willing to deal with that than just have my kind of my, my private scrunched up because my, my knees are together. You know, I need I need the bit of man spreading. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, man, uh, Rowan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know it's, it's like a TV day. You could have been doing a ton of other stuff. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I wanted to do this for a while. And if I could recommend one band for you, if you haven't heard it yet, Spirit Adrift is a band that I've been listening to lately. Uh, they just put out an album, or about to put out an album. I'm not sure. I might have have an, have an advance, but you know, clean vocals, what little spirit adrift. Spirit adrift. Yes, and I, I think right. it's I'll, up your I'll alley. Give it a look. All right. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Catch Rowan every Tuesday, SmackDown Live. He's currently one half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And uh, thank you again, Rowan. Have a, have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rowan. That was such a cool interview. I want to talk about the best WWE match of the week. And uh, in my opinion, the best match this week, surprisingly, goes to 205 Live. I hadn't really been keeping up weekly with the show. I would kind of just check in, usually on the Wednesday, if I would hear from friends or people online that there's a match to watch. It turns out there's two matches that were really good. <clears throat> The first match of the night was Chad Gable making his 205 Live debut, which is like, thank you for finding something for Chad Gable to do. <laughs> and uh, his opponent was Jack Gallagher, and they had a really, really good technical match that ended uh, abruptly because uh, Gallagher couldn't make the 10 count, and I think it was a mistake. Like, I don't think that's how the match was supposed to end, but regardless, the match was really good. I'm sure they'll get a rematch very soon down the line. 
Uh, but the match of the week for me is the Fatal 4-Way on 205 Live, which was to determine the number one contender for the Cruiserweight title. And the people in that match were Tazawa, Drew Gulak, Humberto Carrillo, and I was about to say Biff Busick, but his name is actually Oni Lorcan. And those four guys absolutely killed it. They put on a main event. They put on a huge, huge match. And, you know, the crowds in 205 Live, they're tired. It's after SmackDown. They've been there two hours already. And uh, and it's been like two and a half hours by the time this match was going on. But they really got the crowd up and active and pumped to the point that there were This Is Awesome and 205 chants. I, I don't remember the last time I heard a 205 chant. But, again, to be fair, I don't watch every week so if you haven't watched 205 live that's something to check out another thing to check out new japan this week had their big summer event uh it was called dominion it was fantastic if you haven't gotten into new japan yet and you have cable i highly recommend checking their show on friday nights on access tv although i believe starting the first week of july it's moving to saturday but regardless access tv Get your ass over there because there was an amazing match with Will Ospreay and Dragon Lee. And I think they're going to be airing it tonight. And then last week they aired Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. Two amazing matches. Basically, Will Ospreay is a wrestler you absolutely need to have on your radar. He's phenomenal. He is awesome. And I'm recording this portion of the podcast on Friday afternoon. And it just was announced that AEW's next big pay-per-view, All Out, sold out. In about 30 minutes. I'm really excited uh, for those guys. I'm really excited that there's going to be more wrestling, great wrestling, really fun wrestling. It's the most exciting time, I think, to be a wrestling fan ever, ever. Uh, I've also been reading the book about WCW called Nitro. And it's a really, really interesting book. I believe I talked about it on the live cast this week because it's written by somebody who used to work there and he has a lot of access to executives and documents that I've never seen before and giving you an entirely new perspective on how that company collapsed. And so I'm basically in the book, I'm in the Vince Russo era. And when I was a 16 year old kid watching it, I remember when Vince Russo came and did took over WCW, I was very excited about it and I enjoyed it. I loved seeing the newer guys, the younger guys getting pushes and like people I liked were on TV more. Some of the legends were kind of phased out a little more. Uh, although I didn't like what he was doing with Ric Flair, burying him in the desert and all that. But, you know, at the, at the time I liked it and I didn't get what all the negative feedback from Turner and WCW executives was. So I figured, let me go back with my 35 year old eyes you know, 20 years, 19 years later, and and uh, take a look at this. Or actually, it would be 20 years later because it was 99, <clears throat> and so I guess I was 15, going on 16. So uh, yeah, I, I watched some of the the first episodes that he took over. They were in October of 99, and I'm here to report to you that they were terrible. They were everything you hate about Vince Russo before you could contextualize what it was that sucked about his booking all like you know how in, in the WWE network they have the chapter marks for all the beginnings and the endings of the magic and if you go and look at older nitros there's plenty of gaps in between those chapter marks but <laughs> in these Vince Russo nitros 
the chapter mark for the beginning of the match is almost right next to the chapter mark of the end of the match. Every match was at most three or four minutes. And even it, it, the chapter marks also include entrances. So they were even shorter matches than they were segments. And every match had a non-finish or a distraction or somebody interfered or there was there was just like wrestling was completely forgotten about and it was all just a soap opera. It was all just storylines with bad actors who happened to be wrestlers. Some of them were good actors, but you get what I'm saying. So anyway, it was just really funny to go back and take a look and and see what a, what a mess it was. Uh, but I highly recommend the book Nitro if you watched the show at the time, if you're old enough to have enjoyed it or want to take a step back in history. It's really well done and a really, really good book. And that's all for me this week. I will be back uh, in a little bit. I got another great episode in the can with this time an NXT superstar. Maybe you can figure out who the most metal guy in NXT is because he's going to be on my show next time. Until then, please make sure to follow us on Twitter. Squared Circle Pit is the account. No E in circle. I'm also Rob Injection on all social media. I'll see you next time.